<laughs> you know, this is uh, this recording is truly a testament of my patience. Um, I am, if it isn't completely apparent, I'm sick as a dog today and completely under the weather. I appreciate having a goal to get out of bed and get something done, and which is that I wanted to deliver you, the audience, this episode on a Friday morning. Uh, happy holidays, by the way, my Christmas gift to you. Um, however, <laughs> these uh, recording and editing today took took a, an incredible amount of focus and patience because I was just miserable. And when you know it, like this is my third take of doing the intro because this train kept coming to the background and ruining the recording. So I felt like it was too annoying to keep. Today's guest is Dr. Priya Bain. Her website is in the show notes. It's vfcoaching.net. That stands for virtual freedom, by the way. Her Instagram, if you just type in virtual freedom, you'll see her Instagram as well. She has a methodology called FAST, which is completely in the show notes. We talk about it during the show. What Priya does, what Dr. Baines does, is she helps creative and innovators who have a lot of ideas to focus on simplifying things that generate revenue. The best example I can think of is in about two-thirds of the way through this podcast episode, she tells a story about a sculptor that she works with uh, who was impacted by COVID and kind of loses his his focus. And she helps him not only get back on track, but how to grow his business in a way that brings him joy. If you're in the background, is in the quality field, the goal of Deming, which is famous for coming up with the 14 points of quality, was to return, create joy for people's work. And the way that he did that was removing parts of the process that felt wasteful. And when people weren't doing processes in their day-to-day lives, as far as, far as at work, that, that they knew was a waste of time, they tended to feel more joyful about the work they were doing and the items that they were creating. And I think that's what Priya does on a coaching level. I do apologize for the horrible narration today, uh, not only in quality of my voice, but the quality of the content. However, the episode, fortunately, was recorded when I was good and well, and I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you so much for following Chasing Energy. Uh, The website is chasing.energy. If you want to check it out, it has all the episodes, all the show notes. Shout out to Romania. I'm now in the top 150 of health and fitness podcast in that region. I told my son that I wanted him to come on the air for our next episode and say a few things about those regions. Just as sort of a shout out, it's an honor for me. A few things about what we cover today. Priya has an acronym called FAST that we cover. Uh, She talks about Bowen therapy, which after re-listening to this episode, I looked up. There is actually a couple of practitioners in town that practice it. I may give it a try for some of the ailments I've had. Covers her morning routine. And we talk a lot about seasonal productivity, meaning having a season in which you are not lazy, but just not trying to be at peak performance. She prefers winters for that. And by the way, so do I. I think when the sun is very limited to when it's out, I tend to be a little bit more about connecting and doing things inside the house, focusing on my hobbies and time with the family. Have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for joining Chasing Energy. And I look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Baines, welcome to Chasing Energy. So good to have you here today from Vancouver, Canada. How are you? I'm great. 
Thanks. Good. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, we connected through a, a podcasting service. We we had a pre-call. Gosh, it was almost two months ago. Uh, so was it I really? feel like it feels that way. I don't know when it was, uh, but it's uh, it's been a while. So I feel I feel I like I looked through my notes and went back through some of the stuff that we talked about. We share we share a couple of uh, traits professionally and and probably personally as well. You help. Overwhelmed innovators get out of their heads and into the business growth using coaching, uh, IO psychology, and business strategy. So that's one of your taglines. Here's my first question for you, Priya. Okay. How do you get out, how do you get out of your own head? I will say. And you can give an example of something where you found yourself in the same type of cycle you found a client in and you had to use a particular technique or something. So, so I will say, I, I, I call it fast, right? So focus, so you know what you're focused on, awareness, self-awareness, um, or metacognition, then self-mastery and time mastery. Mm-hmm. So I always kind mm-hmm. of think of that sort of acronym of how do you create fast results? Focus, self-awareness, self-mastery, time mastery. And so I tend to go back to that every single time. Um, it, every single time I wanna create a change, create a transformation. And at this point in my life, I think I live by those rules. Okay, so it's a methodology that you you practice with your pe- preach. Now, give me an example of how you used it on yourself. Um. Oh my gosh, it's, it's it, let me, I'm gonna have to sort of think about this. Oh, here's one. Okay, I'm. I was gonna sort of bring this in later. I'll bring it now. I might figure out how to use it later. Count on me so, to disrupt everything. <laughs> um, so one thing. So exercising, right? So, um, you know, improving ourselves. So my tendency is to go, okay, what does improvement mean? And I'm like, can you go harder? Can you go harder? Can you do more? Can you run faster? So that's how I define improvement. And if you're using sort of the 1% improvement philosophy, for me to improve 1% means I need to do an extra rep or add more weight every single time. And then to really think about what that means and go, that's not it. It's the consistency. It's the improvement through the repetition and the consistency in the process. So that would be an example of where I go ultra high achiever and I push myself beyond my limits. And I think last time we spoke, I threw out my back. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so that was me trying to go above and beyond and go, that's not what it means. <laughs> Does you it know, mean I, that? Yeah. I like to think that was an exercise in correlation and not causation that our conversation, because when we had the conversation, you're like, I haven't been hurting forever. And then you messaged me later that day, like, well, I'm hurt. <laughs> but this is a good segue because actually I wanted to ask you about Bowen therapy. You, uh-huh. you mentioned that on the call. Can you give us a little bit about the benefits or that? Well, so I absolutely love this therapy. So um, funny how we're, we're, this is all flowing from one place to the next. Um, but when I threw out my back that day, after not having done it for ages, it's kind of a thing I like to do annually just for fun. Um <laughs> I um, keeps you humble. Keeps you just humble. keeps me humble. Yeah, reminds me not to, to to push my limits. 
Um, but I use this treatment called Bowen therapy, which is a very light fascia type manipulation where it almost feels like they're not even touching you. They might lift your leg, put your leg down, you know, wiggle your wrist or something like that. And it's about, you know, it's about a 45, 50 minute therapy. You just lie on a table. They'll do like a tiny manipulation. They walk out of the room, they come back uh, 15 minutes later. You can YouTube this to see what it looks like if someone wants to look at it. But for me, it's literally one treatment and I can walk in with like a completely like walking in at a 90 degree, okay, maybe a 45 degree angle. I don't get that bad. Uh, kind of a 45 degree, degree angle and 50 minutes later, I'm perfectly fine. Like not even a tiny remnant of pain. It's it's insane. And I, uh, I, I discovered it through a naturopath that I know about 10 years ago or something like that. I had a frozen shoulder, um, so I couldn't sit on a sofa, which had me working all the time because I was like, it's the least painful thing to do is to sit on a solid chair. If you're gonna sit on a solid chair, you can never really relax. Yeah. Um, and so I had a frozen shoulder and I did the chiropractic and I did the massage and it was like a whole year. And then I got this one treatment and then 24 hours later, this thing I couldn't get rid of for an entire year was totally gone. Well, if they ever had a testimonial that I don't think they could have, you know, staged that any better than what you just said. So I, I don't know if there's a practitioner in my area, but I'm certainly going to give it a shot. I've got a, I got plenty of illness to try it out. So. I also like it. I'm going to tell you one more thing, and I don't get paid for this. I just really love it that much. Yeah. It's it's uh, because of the way they do the treatment with the minor manipulation, walk into the room and come back in. You will, if you have a sports injury or anything, highly, highly recommended. Mm -hmm. Um you feel like you're floating on a cloud. Your body does these minor, minor adjustments and you're so relaxed. So if you're into mindset visualization, you just, you get your back healed, you get your, you know, sore hip healed or elbow or shoulder or whatever it is. And then you can do some visualization while you're lying on the table because you're in the perfect energy for it. Wow. So it's a very coordinated healing efforts. It's part, you know, focus and relaxation and mindset. And it's part of what they do. Yeah, well, I just do the relaxation and mindset thing because I'm like, well, I feel really good right now. Yeah. What else am I going to do? <laughs> it's a great practice regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about how you create a professional edge by prioritizing your health. So you get up and train in the mornings, right? Yes, I have discovered. So some people like to train in the evenings, but for me, um, I have discovered that I've created this routine where I literally wake up in the morning and I do some mindset work, um, you know, get ready to sort of get out there and I will do a workout in the morning. Well, uh, tell me what you mean by mindset work. Give me an idea. So focusing on goals, outcomes, I look at my to-do list, I get okay. really clear on what I'm trying to create for yeah. the day. Mm -hmm. um, I'll even do some sort of like uh, type of scripting. Mm -hmm. Um, reading what I want to create. So it's really just connecting to my purpose, my why. I do that for about literally, a, it ends up being about 45 minutes in the morning. Sounds crazy. Um, and then I go out there and I uh, do my workout, okay. which would be weights or a run. It's, it's funny you say that because I, uh, after one of my early interviews uh, last year, uh, the, the guy, the gentleman told me, hey, I get up at like 4.30 in the morning. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's nuts. And he does meditations and stuff. And so I, ever since then, I, I swear this is true. Ever since then, I've been getting up 
probably around five. And he takes a cold shower every single morning. Through this entire winter, I've taken cold showers. But his meditation, he's like, Daniel, that time in the morning before you enter into the world, it's sacred. That's where your thoughts are the purest. If I had been listening to someone else say that, I I think I would have just been like, well, that's interesting. I'll pass. But because it was my podcast, I was like, well, I've got to try it now. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, the I I find there's so much joy and benefit to that time in quiet peace in the morning. And I've, I've built my rituals. I'm still refining them. I don't have them down like you. But specifically, what you're talking about is, at least what it sounds like, is you're, you're designing your day. And mm-hmm. what you want, for, for me, I'll, I'll say... What do I want to feel at the end of the day? Is it, you know, how do I, everybody wants to feel fulfilled, but how do I get there? And what what accomplishments would would drive me to feel that I'm fulfilled? And it's, it's a form of manifestation. It's a form of goal setting. It's a form of meditation. All, and you kind of combine those into a productive circle. There's probably some uh, great acronym you can add onto that to, yeah, I don't have one at this point in time. It's it's something that I've sort of evolved and developed. But I, I at the end of the day, I think as I look at my day, I look at my quarter and I look at my year. So I kind of get a sense of what do I want to create in the next 90 days? What do I want to create throughout the end of the year? And then what is going to happen today? Um, there is a book. Um, it is called, it's Wallace D. Waddles, um, The Science of Getting Rich. Mm-hmm. It's one of those uh, old, old books, really quite popular. Um, But there's one sentence in there that's always sort of struck me where it's like you want to get as much done in your day as possible without doing more than what's possible. And I think where creatives and innovators and I think a lot of business owners in general get stuck um, and trapped is they try to do more than what's possible in a day. Like they go beyond reasonable and then they burn out. Yeah, I think you're actually highlighting something that uh, is very relevant in the training field too, right? You find people who go, well, if I just train harder than anybody else, then I'm going to get better results. And that's not true. Uh, exactly. There's, there's uh, When you have people who, uh, I'll, I'll pick on the people who say, I'm going to do the couch to 5K program. They put in their headphones, they t- per- turn on the eye of the tiger, and they take off running as hard as they can. You know, after a week, they're, they've got shin splints or whatever. I always say intensity is not a substitute for consistency, right? Completely, 100% agree. So um, the other part of that is to say in training and probably in the business world too, it's there's something to be said for for seasons as well where you're like, okay, this is a development where I'm going to learn these new skills. I'm going to take on this big project. At the same time, you don't necessarily want to be in that all year round. So... There, you're still yeah. being consistent, but there are high stress times and and, and, and whatnot. And I'm not going to preach on balance during this podcast, but it, it's certainly in the training field. I actually, uh, Ryan Hall, who was the best American runner mm-hmm. uh, in the half marathon and marathon, uh, still holds a lot of records. Uh, he he specifically said the number one reason that runners don't get faster is because. They don't throw cycles into their training where they train extra hard and train extra easy. They try to train as hard as they can 
or, or just about as hard as they can all the time, and they don't factor in recovery. So they're not a ever able to push really hard when they need to push hard because they have that fatigue, right? Right, I, I completely agree. And I think that's like people do that with their fitness. Mm -hmm. They can do it with their diet. Mm -hmm. They can do it with business. It's people, we run in cycles. One of the things I see with the creatives that I work with is in winter, I always feel like, I don't, I don't know about you, but I kind of go into a hibernation type cycle in winter. I'm a little bit lazy. I don't work as hard as I do throughout the rest of the year. I still, I'm still consistent, but what I find with a lot of creatives and innovators, that, that period of time from my, like, the second week of December right through to February, mm -hmm. they're just beating themselves up the entire time for not being productive and they can go into a state of depression versus yeah. just being like, this is normal. Yeah. It's dark. So It's raining. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the the happiest nation in the world i believe it's 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 either denmark or right in there but i've read two or three books and they're all pretty much titled a year of living in the happiest place on earth or whatever uh hookah is what it, yeah. if, if i'm saying it right did i say it right hookah or something hookah. like that yeah right it's, it's where they just say for the next two months we're just going to grab a bunch of books and shut the doors to our house and we're just going to connect and i like in, in America, two days of that would drive people nuts, let alone two months. But it's it's this whole thing where you're like, I'm completely disconnected, so when I come back, I'm fresh and ready to go. Yeah, so, but I think there's an interesting element too because we go there's so there's so much all or nothing to that. Like that mm -hmm. we why it doesn't have to be complete disconnection, but it can be a slowing down. No, and accepting that we slow down, just like you were saying with the running, it's like you don't run hard and then not run for a few months because then you have to start all over again. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for Americans is to say, um, don't check your work phone even though you're on vacation. So that's where they would go, well, I'm just jogging. I'm just checking some emails. And that's where the part where I go, you're right, two months is not gonna happen. We, we forget, in my lifetime, that's not gonna happen here. But mm -hmm. getting people to say, don't check that phone for, at least on a work email, for a week, that would be yeah. a tremendous benefit. And by the way, I'm including myself in all this. I struggle with this stuff. I've got uh, my first real vacation in I don't know how many years, many, many, many years, is I've, I've been leveraging uh, belief. You talked about the stuff you do in the morning. Yeah. Belief, visualization, goals, and manifesting. I was like, I really, I always come up with a reason why it's, I'm not going to do it, but this year I'm going to do it. And do you want a major productivity hack that can help you with that? No, no. Why would I need a major productivity hack? I used to work as a consultant, and what I did is I disconnected my phone from my email because if you think about it, most of the time when you check your email on your phone, somebody wants a file, you've got to check on something, yeah. and you can't do it on your phone. So That's all right. you end up doing is reading it on your phone, responding to say, I'll check on it later, or stressing about it, and then you go through the same process again. So, I saw myself. So this is you were asking earlier, like what's a what's the way you yeah right? 
So I was like, well, what am I doing? I keep checking the same stuff twice. So I disconnected my email from my phone and said, when I'm going to work, I'm going to sit at my computer. I'm going to sit on my laptop. I'm going to sit at my desk and I'm going to action it one time. And if I'm not going to take action on it, if there's a chance there's a file, I'm not going to look at it. Mm-hmm. And that just solved the problem and it increased my productivity. It does. You're exactly right. Being able to step away and say, be here now is one of my favorite statements is, you know, I'm here in this spot. I'm here in this moment. My uh, my kids know good and well that they don't have to compete with the phone when, when I'm on their time, I'm on their time. So I, I really like that hack. Thank you so much for sharing that, Priya. It's easy. And if you want to work on vacation, you take your laptop and then you work on your laptop when you're supposed to work on your laptop, which is usually when the rest of the family is getting ready. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the rest of the time, you don't look at your phone. That's right. Or there's right. nothing on it. <laughs> well, I am, I am, uh, I am learning uh, Italian. Okay. Uh, day, every single day. So I've, that's another way that I'm going. I've invested in this language, so I really am going to do this. So time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. But I'm planning on making it happen. So I, w- I have a question. What is the most beneficial change in your diet or training in the last year? That that y- it doesn't have to be dramatic. It could have been, but the most beneficial change that you said, I tweaked this and I got good results. Oh, uh, my friend got got me in on this. Um, I actually doubled, so I tend to make a protein shake in the morning and I doubled the amount of protein I put in. So it's typical one scoop, I became a two scooper. Yeah, and this was, the, was this the berry almond milk smoothie you mentioned? Yes. Yeah, okay. I yeah. I remember that one, yeah. Yes. All right, so you double, what kind of protein do you use? I just use a regular, just kind of a whey protein that's very okay. clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you doubled it, and what happened? Um, I just found that the energy increased, my appetite throughout the day decreased, mm-hmm. um, all of those good things that you want to happen. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I put on some muscle since then, and it's only been about two months. That's great. These some of these tips, you know, Priya, are pretty darn handy. I mean, just between the Bowen therapy and that, I think. I think this this interview is a winner. <laughs> All right, thank you for that tip. So the other question is for training. What is a change you made in your training? Um, I have started to do less. Mm-hmm. So I'm consistent, but um, so I think I was telling you when we connected earlier. I went through a David Goggins phase, so I was like, "How far oh, can yeah. you run? How hard can you run?" Yeah. <laughs> Which, at the time, served a purpose. It was a great mindset kind of a thing, which is why... It, it, this is why I said seasons are good. It's good sometimes to say, hey, I want to see what my breaking point is. Uh-huh. And I found it when I think I kind of fractured my foot. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you did find it. Yeah. Um, which, oh, there's an injury. I forgot about that one. Um, and uh, But now what I find is it's sort of part... So I think I probably prioritize mind if you look at things in terms of time. But what I've learned to do this year is I I reduce my training time overall, but increase the intensity with this strat. So it's more hit training, yeah. more intense weights uh, versus I used to get caught up in that sort of mentality of you have to work out, you know, an hour or it doesn't count. Yeah, it's it's funny you should say that because 
I've actually been doing very much the same thing, Priya, which is uh, I had this tendency to go, um, my, my problem, uh, and probably yours too, is it is not how do I get up the motivation to work out. It's how do I stop when I don't need to or when enough is enough. And so my issue is I'll be, I lift about every other day or maybe three days a week or whatever. And on those days, I'll think, I can do, I can do another set. I can do another set. I can do another set. And at some point I was like looking at it and I was going, it's not going to serve you. And there, there was probably some sort of subliminal message there too, that I've been hearing where it's like, you might want to leave a couple of sets of reps in the tank. You only want to go to the well every, every so often. And I was pretty extreme person. Mm -hmm. And I've actually found I, I recover better. I'm, I have more energy during the day because I'm not getting that burn throughout my body. And, and then also the offset of that is that I walk a lot. So that's the training where I go, this doesn't have to be intense, but I'm just going to be in motion. And I look forward to that walk all day. Yeah. I look forward to that walk. It's about 45 minutes and I do journal. I do voice journaling and things like that during my walk, listen to a lot of audiobooks. So, uh, that's an example where I actually shortened the extreme training to be to be more compact and to the point and precise. And then with the other stuff, it's just don't worry about intensity. Just enjoy it, but stay in motion. Yeah. And I, I think that really implies, like, because we were talking about, I, I think we were sort of talking about how does this connect to our work, too? And I think there's that tendency. It's like also very ingrained in American culture more than other places I've seen. I think probably other places too, but it's pretty bad. Become, yeah. Yeah. Who can stay the latest? Who can who can pull the most overnighters? Yeah. Yeah, like that's like a badge of honor or it something is. like yeah. that. But if you look at, you know, when the creative process takes place, it does not happen while you're sitting at your desk working. Most of us are creative when we're on a run, which is part of why I love running, because I'm like, wow, I just came up with like 1,800 things to write about. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, everyone knows you come up with those ideas in the shower. Like we, th those creative moments happen in our downtime. And if we're in these, these corporate environments where there is no downtime, how much genius are we missing out on? Because we're not giving people downtime. I actually, I had a, um, this is the coolest thing ever. When I was in university, I had a moment, I, I had a sort of a job working in a lab and we were looking at expectation states and, and gender roles and women and whatnot. Um, and uh, my professor at the time, she, she told me, she's like, I want you to charge me whenever you're walking around campus. So I got to get paid for walking around, because she said you come up with the best ideas for the lab. So I want you to charge me for walking around campus. And I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> I like that. That's great. It's a big campus, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Covey preaches that you can buy a man's hand, but you can't buy his heart. Mm -hmm. And when you inspire people in the workplace, they'll they'll give you their ideas that they come up with in the shower or on the walk or on their drive home. And the second thing I want to add to that is in general, now a lot of people can certainly, it, it varies from person to person, but in general, some of the most, 
productive and creative time is those first few hours of the day. And what I tend to do, hear that song. Nice. Yeah. I like to think that the bathroom is just going to be so amazing when they're done. He's, they're being productive and creative with a song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I heard something the other day. Uh, I was reading a book, amazing book. I highly recommend it to you, Priya, called Strength to Strength. Uh-huh. And uh, he was talking about the difference. He was going through um, one of the biggest Asian museums that – that. Uh, that is in existence. And he said, you almost have to have a guide because there's so much art. Yeah. And the gentleman who was given the tour, I'm going to watch this because I haven't said it out loud before, but the gentleman who was given the tour was saying, when you see art, what do you see? And when you start a project and he, he pointed out that we see a blank canvas mm -hmm. okay, and we can put on there whatever we want. But he said, the Asian culture is designed that the art is already created. You just have to grab it and, and direct it to the canvas. And it's uh -huh. this whole different mindset of, we, we, we just talked about the bathroom, you know, where uh, I think it was Michelangelo that said, oh, the, the beautiful statue of David was inside the marble. I just had to free the marble to get out of the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's some type of segue in there to being your best self, but I didn't do a good job with it. I think there's kind of a, well... I think there's a layering. So I kind of, uh, so I'm going to give you the segue possibly. Okay. I look at it, I kind of say this sometimes as I paint people, mm -hmm. right? And what I mean by that is there is something there with a creative person and, and the types of creatives I work with, sometimes uh, they can't clarify their ideas. There's all these sort of different things that are happening and, and they come across um, scattered, right? So I call them brilliantly scatterbrained individuals. Mm -hmm. And I help them sort of design like that sculpture within them. So I think it's with us as well. It's this, this delayering that we have in becoming our authentic selves, defining what really drives us and really owning what drives us and erasing all those social expectations. So it's sort of like the social expectations that shut us down are the stone. And as we carve away at it, we see the beautiful statue underneath mm -hmm. or the blank canvas that we start with. Because when you paint, even if you have an idea in your head and you know exactly what it's going to look like, or you start with a blank canvas, the end product is never exactly as you imagined it to be in your mind, but it's right. beautiful nonetheless. That's exactly right. And if you ask any musical artist, I, I used to play music and they'll tell you no album ever gets completed. You just run out of time and money. Yeah. So on that note, and you may have kind of answered this, but what tips do you provide your clients on creativity, innovation, and divergent thinking? Because oh. you, you kind of painted a picture there that they have uh, segments of ideas and then you help to organize it. Yeah. So I don't. So like I said, it's like I paint them. So there isn't a tip that is going there. They look for tips. They want tips, mm -hmm. but it's an emergence. And I can never predict where things will go with a client and what's going to happen with them. So they can start at point A and want to get to point C and they end up at point W. And they're just like, this is way better. 
Right, but well, I didn't see the, that coming. What's what? How do you start to refine their vision or or lead them? Granted, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But so, is, how do you keep them on track, or how do you get them to remove the extraneous noise from what they're trying to say anyway? Yeah, so it it is a process of that sort of they they get really focused on what they want. They get better at articulating it, um, actually acknowledging it. So a lot of them won't even acknowledge what they want. So that is a big part of the challenge, mm -hmm. where they'll be like, "Oh, you know, I'm okay as I am," and I'm just like, "Well, no, you're you're not, because you wouldn't be here in the first place if everything was fine." Mm -hmm. So first, getting them to acknowledge who they are and what they want out of life and without those societal expectations. So we all know this sort of story. Um, and I think it crosses uh, money. I think it crosses fitness. So, you know, people will have this challenge. Okay, they want to take care of their bodies. They want to look good. They want to be healthy. They want to be energetic. But they're not even allowed to say they want to look good because somebody will say, well, oh, you're so shallow. Why, why do you need to look better than you already do? And it's like, well... No, it just makes me feel good. Like, I just want to do this for myself. So there's this kind of push and pull or with money, it's sort of, you know, it's at one level, everybody wants money. Mm -hmm. But at another level, they can't really admit it because if you want money, then you're a quote bad person and you become, you know, one of those people. Mm -hmm. And so there's this sort of this tug of war. And I'm just using these two. There's a lot more that goes on, but these are kind of familiar examples to a lot of people. So there's this sort of acknowledging what they really want. Then it's looking at all the sort of knowledge, experience, skill sets, everything that they have. It's connecting them to their intuition. And then through all of that, there's a thread. So I don't know, is this going to be recorded with video or without video? Or yes. So behind me, if you see this picture, I, I think I've told you about it, um, but it's... I. It's a it's a phoenix, the phoenix rising through the ashes, right? But it's all these little dots, right? So that's all the possibilities of all the things that they could be. And when I work with them, you can kind of see the sort of black line that comes through the middle. Mm -hmm. It's like pulling that thread from all the dots and giving them their guidance so that they just fly and they take off and they do their thing. So I don't know if you were thinking that and you're like, remember the thing behind you? <laughs> oh. No, it wasn't. But it's a beautiful painting. That's the first thing I thought. But now, yeah. now that you've added some context to it, so you consider yourself like the black thread in a lot of situations? I'm the person who helps them discover the thread. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm not the thread. They, I just I guide them so they discover it on their own. And mm -hmm. one of the things is, I, and I don't know how to describe it, but there is a moment when you hit on it and they just light up. They just absolutely light up because it's sort of people are always nice. So they'll always say, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Right. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> not yet. We haven't hit on it. But there's a moment when you hit on this thing with them and then just like things, just everything all of a sudden starts to fit together. So I have this this sort of strange example of this artist I work with. He's a he's a sculptor. Um, he did some fairly big projects and then COVID happened and, you know, went through a lull and, um, you know, he was, he was not happy. Like there was this period of time. He's like, I don't want to work on my computer. I don't want to post these things. I don't want to do these things. I just want to be in my garden, be in my garden, be in my garden. And then he was also a sculptor. So it was like, well, there's this gardening thing. 
and then there's some like business work that you need to do there's a sculpting thing and it wasn't like it was just like it was separate pieces so what ended up happening and i couldn't have made this up until it, it came to fruition he ended up building this very long table to have people gather all sorts of artists and chefs and musicians and architects gather at this very long table that he has in the garden that he's built. And then he's got his sculptures around there. And now people are starting to invite him to sculpt for their very luxurious gardens, right? But he was like making sculptures for museums. So you're, the brain doesn't even make those connections naturally. And then it came out and then he's now able to find how everything flows together. And he does it seasonally. So we were talking about that sort of seasonality. So he gets to fulfill all aspects of himself at, of himself at different times throughout the year. And they just make sense for him now. Oh, wow. That's but great. I couldn't have made that up. Like, I'm not I'm not that <laughs> so it sounds like one of the approaches, and you can correct me here, one of the approaches that you do with both your business partners and your 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 friends, you acknowledge the delta between, so you talked about, uh, and they say everything's fine, everything's fine, and you say it, it's not, or, or I wouldn't be here. Um, acknowledging, creating sort of a safe zone to say, we're not okay with the way things are going, let's just go ahead and get that out there as opposed to just doing the head nod and say, you know, everything's fine, we'll get to it, we'll double our efforts next week. And then you, to some uh, extent, you encourage a little bit of disagreement. And then in, in the case of the artist, you looked at the different streams, uh, the, the phoenixes that were, you know, rising from the ashes, and then going, what, what is it that brings it all together? Yeah. So it's 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 kind of at, at one element, and I'm sure you're familiar with the term, but extreme psychological safety, right? So a lot of these these creative, innovative types, they're used to getting rejected. They're used to getting shut down. They're used to being too out there. They're used to like, that's not how we do things around here. Like we've got to show the corporate line. You're going to ch try and change things. Like that's that's not what we want, even though that's what we do want, because that's why you bring like why the creatives and innovators are brought into the organization and everyone's trying to get people who aren't naturally creative to become creative, right? So it's like, well, we want your creativity, but do it our way. And it's like, well, then that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> the essence of creativity is not doing it your way. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 it's an extreme sense of psychological safety, emotional safety, testing, trying, and allowing those opportunities and then sort of that's sort of my process, my kind of proprietary process is providing that sort of structure and environment for all of that to evolve. Yeah. Great point. And if 100% of your projects are successful, then they're not very stretch oriented or growth projects. So Yeah. And if there's well. no surprises, it's definitely not creative. All right. So we've, we've covered a lot here. I want to be respectful of your time. Can you talk um, a little bit about where people can find you and and engage with you yeah so um i'm under virtual freedom so you can go to instagram and it's mm -hmm. virtual underscore freedom mm -hmm. so you can find me there under instagram um, i have a training there you can watch and you just have to go click the link in the bio um, i also have a group on facebook called the abundantly creative mind and my website is vf as in virtual freedom 
creativesarecoaching.net. And that's really the idea of creatives are so free, but they're not entirely free. So it's like a virtual sense of freedom. And then we work in a virtual world. Okay, so in a nutshell, do you do you tar- help creatives sort of focus on what it is they're trying to make or get out of their own way or what? Yeah, so they often show up with too many ideas. They're overwhelmed. They burnt out, overworked. Um, they're just driving, 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 and they're going, well, I'm smart. Like, I've got all these degrees. I've got all this these certifications. They've got so many things because their they're, uh, knowledge can I – yeah, they're they're knowledge whores. They like to take in a lot of information. <laughs> I, th- I think that that I fall under that category, by the way, because I keep thinking whenever there's some big thing I need to accomplish, I go, and I will. But as soon as I read this next book, it's going to give me the insight that I need. To, and I know I've done this enough to know that's just an excuse. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there's no substitute for action and discipline and routine and ritual. So. As much as I yeah. like to pretend it's one audiobook or, or article away, it, it generally never is. Yeah, so so it's some of it is trusting that intuition. Some of it is knowing when you need to gather information, and some of it is when knowing when to take action to start creating those results. And um, there's some people who are creative and innovative, and incredibly successful. You seem like one of them. And there's some people who are like, I want to get to another level, and I really feel stifled, and I'm not getting there, and I'm overthinking everything i'm trapped in my head i've got insane amounts of knowledge and i'm not moving forward and mm-hmm. those are the ones that i work with okay i think i fall into the latter category oh okay <laughs> priya this has been a true joy and thank you for sharing your message with us and uh i, I look forward to connecting again soon you too and thank you it was uh fun and we survived all the construction yeah, the construction yeah we did it yay <laughs>